we are starting kind of a new series that we're going to be talking about over the summer on the fruit of the Spirit. So we are going to be discussing fruit. Now, can you put that graphic up, Grant, for the fruit of the Spirit? I just want to point out real quick, the artwork for our lovely summer series was made by our very own Evie Montgomery. Can we give her a hand? For her awesome drawing, she had posted this week her drawing on fruit. And I said, that's perfect. We're talking about fruit. So thanks for letting us use your artwork, royalty-free. Although I didn't ask. Maybe, maybe she's going to charge us. I should have asked. <laughs> but we are um, excited as we've been kind of praying about what we want to talk about this summer. Um, this just kept coming back to my mind, the fruit of the Spirit. And it's found in Galatians 5, and 23. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we're going to be kind of looking at it kind of in a broad stroke today. And then we're going to spend um, the next 10 weeks kind of talking about each one of these fruits, how we can see more of them in our lives, how we can see these, these things that the Holy Spirit says should be evident in the lives of those that love Jesus. We're going to be looking at those, but Galatians 5, 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So when we look at the scriptures, there are nine fruits listed. I don't know if you remember like me, if you went to Sunday school when you were little, there were always like the banana had kindness on it. You know, they always had like the flannel graph with all the different fruits and everyone had a, a different name on it. Um, and it's all these things that should be evident, f the fruit in our lives, the things that we are seeing. If we are living a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is living a life that is constantly growing in Christ, that the Bible says these should be the things that are evident in our lives. We should see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're going to be talking about all those things, but this kind of started bubbling to the surface in my heart. As I was kind of scrolling the internet, looking at some different things, I was looking at Pinterest and people were posting different things and something caught my eye and it was a little sign and it said, choose joy. It said, choose joy. And then I was looking at it and it was I saw kind of a whole bunch of things that said, choose joy. And honestly, it actually started to annoy me a little bit. It started to bother me. And maybe it was just because I was going through some, some difficult things and I was really trying to kind of not let it weigh me down. And it started to bother me the phrase, choose joy. And I kept, did, did any of you like ever read anything on Facebook and you kind of start to have a sarcastic response just by your own little self? Like tell, I was telling off, you know, the Pinterest, like, oh, okay, I'll just choose joy. <laughs> I'm sitting there kind of annoyed by it because what it made me, made it sounded like in my head, choose joy is as if like joy is just right there and all I have to do is just choose it. Just decide to be joyful. And I kept trying to just be joyful, and it would last maybe like four minutes before I would think of another reason that I had to not be joyful. And I started to get annoyed at, you know, all the tattoos that said choose joy. Because I was like, well, that seems like a silly thing. As if, like, on my counter, occasionally, I will have a bowl of grapes. And then I will have a bowl of M&Ms. And it's as if I just look and I'm like, hmm, which should I have? The healthy grapes or the M&Ms? Like, like, choosing joy is just a choice. Like all this joy is just sitting there waiting for me and all I have to do is just choose it every day. It, something about that made me feel like I should be able to have it at all times if I just make the right choice. Have any of you ever felt that way? And yet no matter how hard I try to choose it, it seems to be elusive. And um, unfortunately, this idea of, well, just choose it. Just, just choose peace, you know, as if, as if any of us would choose anxiety, 
right? As if any of us would choose worry. As if we, if, if we could just, you know, if it was right there, if we would all just decide, well, I know, all this, I could be peaceful, but I think I'm just going to sit and ruminate on all the horrible things going on in my life. I, it, just, it just bothered me. And it perpetuates this notion that all good things are inside of us. That it's just all right there. You just got to choose the right thing. But the truth of Scripture, and Scripture says this over and over and over again, the truth is there is nothing good inside of us. If we are left to our default position as humans, we are broken, fallen. And our default always leads us away from the things of God. Romans 7 tells us this. Romans 7.18 in particular says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. This week, go back and read Romans 7, because Paul goes on a little bit of a rant himself. He keeps saying, oh, I want to do the right thing, but I keep choosing the wrong thing. I, want, I don't want to do this, and yet I keep finding myself doing it. What is wrong with me is basically what it's saying. Why do I keep finding myself being pulled back to the thing that I don't want to do? And I was thinking about this when it came to the fruit of the Spirit, the joy and the peace, all of the things that we so desperately want in our lives. I think this is be true. I think all of us would say, I would love to be peaceful. I would love to not be worried. I would love to not be anxious. I would love to have more self-control in my life. And yet we find ourselves, something in our default positions keeps pulling us back. And like Paul is saying, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to choose joy, but I seem to not. If having joy and peace and patience and kindness was simply a choice we had to make, why in the world would any of us choose anything but that? Now, of course, hear me out. There is a matter of choosing the right things. Don't, don't get me wrong. There is a moment where we have to make good choices, and of course our choices matter. But we have to decide you know, and sometimes we have to decide, are we just going to go with the way our flesh is leading us or are we going to choose with the spirit? But the point of my, my rant here is that we cannot create joy. I've tried. It doesn't work. We can't just produce peace from within ourselves. We are incapable of manufacturing these things on our own. Our human flesh does not contain neither the desire nor the power to create peace in our hearts and in our lives and in our spirits. And if we look a little bit earlier in Galatians 5, right before this verse that lists all these really good fruit, Paul takes a moment and talks about this principle. He talks about the fruit that's produced by our natural default positions as humans. So if you look at verse 16 verse through 21, it says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, 
envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I find this so interesting because we always look at the fruit of the Spirit, like Paul has given us this great list of things we should have in our lives. But I think sometimes we forget Paul also gave us another list. He gave us a flesh list. He gave us a list of all of the things that a life that is not full of the Spirit is going to have evident in it. A life that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is going to have joy and love and peace. But he also shows us, hey, here is a list of all of the things that are, you're going to find showing up in your life, in your attitude, and in your thoughts if you are living a life according to the flesh, if you are not letting the Holy Spirit control your life, if you are not living by the Spirit, you are going to see these other things coming out in your life. Idolatry, immorality, lust, jealousy, quarreling, ambition. Look at this one, outbursts of anger. I probably have never had one of those, but perhaps maybe one of you might have an outburst of anger every now and then. It's only day one of summer vacation. I might have already had 10 outbursts of anger. But we look at these things. These are things that are evident in our life without the Holy Spirit. And so we can look at these two lists. Grant, you want to go up and put up those two lists? He gives me a great big thumbs up. I love it. Eager, eager beaver up there. So list one lists all of the fruit of the flesh. These are all of the things that are evident in our life when it is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. And list two is the list of the things that are evident in a life that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. So take a look at those two lists today. These two lists show us a life dominated by the sinful nature and a, a list of those whose life is led by the Spirit. Paul says there is a battle going on within us. Can anyone attest that you feel that battle inside of you? You want to do the right thing, and yet I find myself defaulting always back to this, this flesh. We want to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and yet why are so many of us sorely lacking? We want to have peace, and yet why are so many of us not peaceful? So we can think, I'll just try harder. I'm going to just try really hard. I'm going to just really focus on it. I'm going to just do my very best. I'm going to just really try. And we might do okay for an hour or a day or 20 minutes or two minutes. And inevitably, we find ourselves going right back over to that list of fleshly responses. Galatians 3.3 says this, How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives by the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I think sometimes we just think if I try harder, then I'll be more joyful. If I try harder, I'll be more peaceful. But that's not the case. Why? Because we do not have the power within us to produce good fruit. We cannot produce good fruit on our own. So what are we supposed to do? What do we, how do we get out of list one and find ourselves living more in list two? And the answer is very simple. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you look at Galatians 5.22 again, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces. The Holy Spirit makes this fruit show up in our life. He is the one that does it. He is the one that creates those things. The more of God that we have in our life, the more that the Holy Spirit is the one who is calling the shots in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, these fruits start to become more evident. We start to see the change happen. We begin to see these things begin to come to the surface in our lives. So it's like this. So I brought my, 
I say my sponge for washing the car. I've never actually washed the car. It's Jeff's sponge for washing the car. But a lot of us are going through our lives, and we're kind of like this sponge. It's dry. It doesn't have anything in it. And we are feeling our lack of joy. We're feeling our lack of peace. And we're like, oh, I'm just trying. Why is none of this coming out in my life? I have no peace. I have no joy. I'm such a crabby person. I am not patient at all with anybody. And we're sitting there thinking, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to choose joy. And it's like we just keep trying and trying and trying. And yet it's not there. And yet Galatians 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that produces the fruit in us. So our job isn't to try harder. Our job is to immerse ourselves in Christ, immerse ourselves in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, that good fruit begins to come out. It's a pretty simple illustration, but if you don't have the fruit that you're looking for and you're saying, I don't know, I'm just not, maybe I'm not trying hard enough, you need to remember, where do you think that's going to come from if you're not immersing yourself in the Holy Spirit? So the idea is, if we want to have all that good stuff coming out of our lives, then we have to learn to live a life full of the Holy Spirit that is immersed, that we are constantly going back to, Jesus, I need more of you. I want more of you in my life. Fill me with more of your power. Fill me with more of your spirit. That is the only place that we are going to find those good things coming back to our lives. If our lives are full of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, these nine traits that are listed, they're going to start to show up in your life. You are going to be more loving. You are going to be more kind. You are going to be more patient. You are going to have more self-control. Now, that's the one that always gets me. Really? You mean I won't want to eat the M&Ms? I don't know. But if we are filled with the Spirit, we're going to be more loving people. If I'm filling myself with the Spirit, I will be a more patient person. If I am filling myself with the Holy Spirit, I will be a more joyful person. But the reverse will also be true, correct? The reverse will also be true. If you are not very loving, you have a spiritual problem. You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you are not very patient, you need more of the Spirit. And if your life is not demonstrating self-control, if you find yourself constantly back to your old vices, constantly unable to do the things that you know are not good for you or good for your family, and you're like, man, I just can't seem to ever exercise enough self-control to get myself out of this, you need more of the Holy Spirit in your lives. See, the Bible gives us this barometer so that we can kind of look and see how we're doing in our spiritual health. If you looked at list one and list two, and you're going, yeah, I'm kind of right in the middle. I do have the occasional outburst of anger, but I'm pretty patient with, you know, my two-year-old. Or you're like, yeah, the two-year-old is a problem, but I may not have, you know, I'm not really a jealous person. We can look at these two lists and say, what fruit is showing? What is the fruit? What is my life? And if you're not sure of yourself, maybe ask those closest to you. They probably would have an opinion as to how your fruit is looking. There are times that my, my sweet husband will just, you know, I'll be like, I just, I'm just so frustrated. I just don't know what's wrong. I just, I'm so upset. And he kind of gives me that look like, really? I had no idea that maybe you were not. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah, he, they, they were all well aware that I was struggling. Our fruit is a good barometer of our spiritual health. Our fruit lets us know, hey, 
how much time am I spending in the word? How much time am I spending in Jesus? How, how much access am I giving the Holy Spirit to my heart and my life? Am I giving him little bits of it, just a little dip? And so I'm finding that I just maybe have a little bit of the fruit showing, a little bit of water coming out of my life, or am I immersing myself enough that the overflow of my heart is love and joy and peace? This is a good question to ask yourself. This is a good barometer. This is a good gauge for us in determining our spiritual health. Luke tells us in verse 644, a tree is identified by its fruit. If you look at the fruit in your life, you're going to be able to tell a whole lot about your relationship with God. You're going to be able to tell a whole lot about your spiritual condition. Now, it's really easy to just explain away our bad fruit, right? It's really easy to just be like, well, it's just a bad day, or I'm Irish, (laughs) or, you know, I don't know. I'm just tired. It's going to go away. Or, you know, my parents had outbursts of anger, so not my parents. Of course not. My parents are here, so of course I would never say that. Or, you know, my mom did like to slam doors, so I did learn that from her. Um, You know, I just learned it. We like to explain away our bad fruit, and yet we have to really own up to this. If the fruit we're producing is not of the spirit, then it's of the flesh. And we have a problem. We have a problem with what we are allowing our lives to be. We are trying to squeeze something out of an empty sponge. And we need more of the spirit. If we're truly known by the fruit we're producing, then we can know when our ratio of flesh versus spirit is off. And I have to catch myself and go, you know what? I feel like I'm living a lot more on list one today than list two. So God... I need more of you. I need more of your spirit. Show me, show me how I can have more of you. Read the scriptures. Spend time praying God, soaking in his presence. Just A lot of times I just end up saying, God, I need more of you. My prayer has changed from, Lord, I need peace. Lord, I need joy. Lord, I need patience. Lord, give me more patience to, Jesus, I need more of you. And I know when I have more of you, that that fruit will begin to show in my life. You are the answer for that. If our fruit is showing a lack of peace, then we need less of the flesh and more of the spirit. If our fruit is showing a lack of gentleness, if you find that you're just being harsh, if that your responses are much more about getting your point across or zapping somebody, then responding in a gentle and kind way, maybe your flesh versus your spirit is off. If you're finding yourself struggling to be disciplined, you need less of the flesh and more of the Spirit. So it's a really easy question today. What is winning in your life? List one or list two? This is a spiritual problem, but the beauty of that is that then there's a spiritual solution. You can't just try harder. You don't need to just try harder to be more gentle. You can ask God, and his Holy Spirit will come into you and fill you up and give you everything that you need to have the fruit of the Spirit full and evident in your life. Micah 3.8 says this in the message version, but me, I am filled with God's power, filled with God's spirit of justice and strength. And Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes into you, he begins to do the work. He begins to change us from the inside out. It's not a matter of us just trying harder. It is a matter of him coming in and filling us so that what comes out is him, not us anymore. 
We're not strong enough to fight our flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. I have tried. I have tried to fight my flesh. I have tried to just say, well, I'm never going to say that again. I'm never going to think that way. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stop being that way. Any of you tried that before? How'd it work for you? Yeah, we don't have the power in and of ourselves to just try and be better people. The only way that we are going to see good fruit evident in our life is when we completely surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and say, God, you have complete access to every part of me. I'm going to stop living my life just for me. I'm going to stop just living my life for the way I want. I'm going to stop letting the flesh control all my decisions. That's really what salvation is. That's really what it is when we talk about becoming a follower of Jesus. It's laying it all on the table and saying, you know what? My life is no longer my own. I just want more of you in every single part of my life. God, take all of me. Take my plans, take my will, take my thoughts, take my attitudes, take my actions. And the more we surrender our entire selves to Christ, the more access he has to come and fill us up with all of the things of him. And you will begin to see this new fruit coming in your life. I was thinking about um, my very first job after I graduated from college was in a tiny little town in North Carolina on the East Coast. Um, my mom drove me there and said, what have we done? Because we had to go to like four bridges just to get to this little town. Nags Head, North Carolina, if you've ever been there on vacation. It's a lovely place to vacation. But I took a job there as the music director at a church that was shaped like Noah's Ark. Not kidding. Had a porthole in my office. It was quite an experience. Um, yeah, so it's right on the beach. So when you drive by, you're like, huh, that's a boat. And then you go, oh, no, it's a church. Okay, so it's a long story how I ended up there. But that's not the point. The point was there was this woman who was on the worship team when I started leading worship there, and her name was Melanie. And she was this great woman. She was a private chef for some rich family on the beach. And, and she came, and she sang a great alto. And so um, I said, hey, come and sing. And so every week we would practice all of our songs. And um, inevitably, about two lines into a song, she would just start bawling, like like tears like like not pretty cry, but like the tears that are like, you know, it's dri her shirt's like wet and just dripping. And so I was like, oh, okay. This. So it would happen at rehearsal, and then we would start a Sunday morning service, and the songs would start, and soon enough, I'd look over, and she'd be, oh, <laughs> again. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So after a few weeks of this, my curiosity got the best of me. I just was like, I just, Melanie, what's going on? I said, I'm just, are, are you okay? The first thing, are you all right? You just seem really emotional when the music starts, and you're really emotional when you're singing. Like, can you, is there, what's going on? And she said, oh, well, I need to tell you my story. I said, okay. And she said, you know, I grew up, and I was um, a really tough lady. She said, you know, I had a lot of things happen in my life, a lot of hurt, a lot of wounds, a lot of things happened to me. And so I just decided that the best way for me to deal with all this was just to get really angry. And she said, and I was the hardest person you would have ever met. She said, I was angry. She goes, I ended up joining like a motorcycle gang and I would beat people up all the time. She goes, I mean, if you looked at me wrong, just look out. I was just, you were going down. She's like, I was the meanest person you would have ever met. And I'm thinking, okay, it's fine if you don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> and she said, but you know what? When I was about 40, somebody shared Jesus with me. 
and I invited Jesus to come into my life. And he took this heart that she goes, I don't know that you've ever had a heart as hard as mine. It was just like a rock. Like nothing could get in. It was impenetrable. It was, I was so hard. I was so mean. I was so closed off to anybody. And she said, and when I found Jesus, he took my heart and he just cracked open all of those hard places. And he just turned it so soft And she said, and I know I'm a hot mess every time the music starts. She goes, but that's my gift from Jesus is because I hadn't felt anything for years. I hadn't cried. I didn't care what other people felt. I didn't care if I was hurting you. I could care less. And when Jesus came into my life, he completely changed me. And he gave me the softest heart. And now when, when the music starts and I feel the tears coming, I just let them come. She goes, I just let them flow. I want, I want to feel them on my face because it is a sign to how Jesus changes people. It is a sign of what I used to be, and I am no longer that anymore. He took something that was so broken and hard, and he changed it into something soft and tender And she goes, and I just, I never want to forget what he's done. So I just let the tears come. And I hope I never lose that. And I always think about that. When I think about all of us thinking, God, will I ever be different? Will I ever not struggle with worry or anxiety? Will I ever be patient? Will I ever stop responding in anger? Lord, I don't want to be an angry person. And yet it just keeps popping up these outbursts of anger. And I... I hate it. Can you really change me? The truth is a resounding yes. He can change you. But it is all up to you how much access you give him. It is all up to you how much you immerse yourself in him. And if you're needing a full-on life change, you can't just dip your little toe in and think that you're going to suddenly be different. You have got to immerse yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit and say, God, change me. Change me. Make me more like you. And when you open your arms wide and say, God, whatever it takes, I just want more of you. Make me more like you. And you make that your daily consistent prayer. And you begin to open the scriptures and read it. And just imagine that you're just soaking in every word that is there. And you spend time praying and listening to worship music. And just even going for a walk the other day, I just looked at the sky and thought, oh, God, you are so big and I am so small. That you make your life an act of worship. That you are constantly soaking in more of Jesus. I promise you, you are going to see your fruit begin to change. I promise you, you are going to see changes in your life. But it's really up to you how much access you give him and how much you soak yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not strong enough to fight our flesh on our own. We have to have more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit will fill you with the power to overcome your flesh. We simply need more of him and then he begins to change us. So my question today is really easy. How is your fruit? What is your fruit looking like? Would you find yourself more of a list one person or more of a list two person? You know, this week I have just been meditating on this and praying it, and I was surprised. Usually we look at list one and we think, 
Those are all the real bad people, right? That's all the really bad stuff on that list. And yet there are, there are moments that I see things creep up in my heart. Just this week, I, I found myself dealing with jealousy. And, you know, I, you like to think of jealousy as like a high school problem, but apparently not because here I am, 42, and it was creeping up in me. And it wasn't like I was 17. I was like, oh, my gosh, hate her. It was... Oh, Lord, I, I watched somebody get something that I have been waiting to get for a long time. And I was super happy for her, but yet what creeped up in me was unbelief of, okay, Lord, if you gave that to her, then you must not have that for me. And I was, all of a sudden I just stopped and I was looking at my list and I'm like, whoa, there it is. Jealousy. There it is. Okay, Lord, that is a fruit of the flesh. Fill it with a fruit of your spirit. And I'm trying to match them with the opposite. So I said, okay, Lord, what would be the opposite of this for my life right now? You know what? I think it's patience. I think it's patience to wait for what you have for me and to know that if you bless somebody else with something that I've been asking for, well, okay, Lord, I will be patient and wait. Know that your promises to me are true and faithful. So when you see a bad fruit, sometimes we have to really be honest. You know, the first things on that list are really scary, sexual immorality, lustful pleasures, and you think, well, I don't live a life like that. And yet, when I was looking at those things, really, it's, it's selfishness. It's all boiled in selfishness. And true love that God has for us is always unselfish. And so when we look at lust, you know, what it does is it diminishes people to objects for what we want. And yet the truth is God is saying, no, 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 I want you to have real love that lays itself down for another person. So we can all look at those lists. Don't brush it off as just the really bad things, but begin to ask the Holy Spirit, really begin to show me things in my heart that are of the flesh. And God, I want the pure fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life. I'm going to ask Jeff to come. Um, I want to leave you with one more verse. And it was, I just read it this morning, actually, in Ephesians chapter 3. And it's a prayer, and this is my prayer. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, and that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. So I'm asking, I asked Jeff to sing a little song that I sing all the time to myself, and it's really easy. I hope you can pick it up. It's something I learned in college. But it's my prayer when I see my fruit, cattywampus. Lord, give me more of you. I just need more of your spirit. Lord, my mind is full of worry. Give me more of you. Lord, I am not being very loving. Give me more of you. Lord, my patience is just gone, and I'm snapping at everybody. Give me more of you. Lord, these outbursts of anger are hurting the people I love. Give me more of you.